Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. All right. So I mean, I was I was thinking lately when I was putting this together about just people in life. And so I did a, a search and found out that there were about 117 billion people that lived in this earth from the time man first appeared here up until today. We're included in that. And so I was thinking, all of these attempts at living life, you got 117 billion people, and not all of them made it, because remaining are us, which is 8 billion, about 7%, a little less than that. And the question becomes, what happened after they left this life? There were a lot of things that we were taught from this 93%. And it was their strategies of how to live life. Because you can ask anybody, and I'm sure you guys will respond too, everybody wants to live forever. And even people who think that they don't, if you try to, in their lives, still their body would naturally try to resist it so that they can survive. And some of the things that we were taught and some of the things that I've learned while surviving on this earth to have fulfillment, possessions, possessions. So we were taught how to make money, how to buy this house, we need to buy this car. We need to own these things to bring satisfaction. We were taught that achievements can bring fulfillment. Finish this level, all right? This title would sound good. We can have the respect of these people. That brings fulfillment, all right? Maybe. Appearance, what do we look like? We're taught that that could bring fulfillment. The things that we wear, if we change this part of our body, if we look like this person, if we deny this part of us, maybe that'll bring fulfillment. Other ways, we learn about experiences. If we visit this place, we can find fulfillment, perhaps. If we try this thing, if we swallow this pill, if we smoke this, or if we drink that, or if we're with this person, this relationship could probably change my life and bring fulfillment, maybe, I don't know. But the reality is that we're taught these things as being fulfillment, and these things aren't sustaining. They don't last, because when that feeling of fulfillment fades away, we're always gonna want to obtain more, try more, do more, and change more. And so we realize that these things that we try to find fulfillment in, they leave us empty. And the reason is because our bodies are shells. They're housing units. And they will decay. And any person, any of the 93% that left before us to tell you that, that their bodies decayed, if they could talk. <laughs> but in any, any case, 
something left their body. The reality is the life that we all desire is not in the body. It's actually in the spirit. But here's the problem is that the spirit is inactive. It's not activated. And the spirit is immaterial, which means that material things cannot activate it. We can't activate spiritual things with material things. And a lot of people discover this through life, a lot of us as well, that these things don't satisfy us. And so we try to tap into the spiritual world by other means. But there's only one way to revive the spirit. And that's by the one who created it. It's God. It's because God is spirit. Reality is that you need a spirit in order to connect to the spirit. And it seems impossible to us because we start off with inactive spirits. But here's the thing. We gained access through one who came with both body and spirit. That's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He came into this world with both body and spirit. He was able to connect with the spirit of God, and he was able to connect with the flesh of men. And he taught us how to live. And as he lived, one of the things that he avoided was the things that we were taught that would bring pleasure to us, like our possessions and achievements and appearances and experiences. None of that caught Jesus' attention. In fact, he did the opposite and he humbled himself. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, Who, though he was in the form of God, talking about Jesus, did not, count, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. By being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So rightfully, Jesus could pretty much brag, right? He can say, you know what? I am God. He could legitimately because he was in the form of God. But he chose to humble himself. Even died on the cross. Revelations 1, 18. Jesus says, I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus actually gained eternal life. He went into eternal life because he died with the living spirit. His spirit was alive. And it's the reason why death couldn't keep him. It's the reason why he's alive. And what he asked for us is just to follow him. We have to follow him from death to life. Because we know that our bodies will perish, but if we follow him, there's life after that. Amen. And he's saying a few things. I believe this is what he's saying for those who find their fulfillment in possession, possessions. He's saying in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 through 19. 
As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So he's saying to embrace life, you need to not look at yourself as being better than other people who are less fortunate. And our hope is in God because he's the one where that he's our provision. He's our provider. And it's not in riches. Be generous to others. And he said, if you do all of this, then you'll store up treasures in heaven. And this is the same thing, actually, that Jesus tried to explain to a certain rich man that approached him. It's in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. And as he was setting out on this journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think this is everyone's question. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. He said this in love. And he said, you lack one good thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come follow me, disheartened by this saying. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus did not want this man to be poor. Is that he knew that he had to expose something that this man was, was lacking. He, he approached him because he was looking for the same thing that we're looking for. But the thing that was keeping, keeping him from there was that something else had his heart. And it's, it's really sad, too, as well, because he knew Jesus, and he trusted Jesus. You can tell because it says that he knelt, he came and knelt before Jesus, and then he called him good. So he saw Jesus as being influential, if anything, and the word that came from him, he trusted it because he went away sorrowful. He knew that the word that he received was truth. But he was sorrowful because he thought his valuable properties and, and possessions were more valuable than eternity, even though he couldn't take it there. God wants our hearts. And when we have other, other stuff in our hearts, there's not room for him. Before I encounter God, this message, this passage really resonated with me because as I was pursuing God, my thought process was, I don't want anything to have my heart. I don't want money to be in a way, if it is, because it, it was something that I felt like I need to acquire. And so I, I tithe. I said, I need, I need to tithe. I need to make sure that this does not have a hold of me. I didn't want that same response from, from God because there's no space from him. And my heart was open. And when it was open, I encountered God supernaturally in a way that is hard to describe at times. 
And I didn't have a lot of money at that time. I was, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. My car got repossessed, I tell you. But in that place where I was, it was so special because this was a, it was a new way of seeing God. And I was alive, and the relationship was so good. I told God that even if I was living underneath the bridge, as long as he was with me, that's everything. And I literally meant that. He wants our hearts. But he can't have our hearts if, we're, we, if we have possessions that are in that way. Right, things that we hold on to. And if you were without, as like I was in that situation, without money, and you still you're thinking that maybe you want, you know, you need something in possessions. This is what he says in Matthew chapter six thirty three. He says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these all these things will be added to you." He's saying, "Don't worry about surviving." First, put your heart on me. Continue to put your heart on me. And then, in turn, I'll make sure you're provided for so that when you have those things, your heart will still be on me. So, for people who find fulfillment in possessions, right? For people who find fulfillment in achievements, this is what, this is what God says. In Matthew chapter 20, Verse 26 through 28. But whoever would be great among you, you must be, must be your servant. And whoever must be first, you must be your slave. No, I read that wrong. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve, not to, not to be served, but to serve, and to give us his life as a ransom for many. So humble yourself. I mean, I'm learning from this. Humble yourself. If we, want, if we want to be great, then we have to submit to serve. And this is a posture. This is actually an outward posture, but it also is an eternal thing, you know? Is it? Yeah. We can achieve him. <laughs> another another verse, um, Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and a Pharisee and a tax collector, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed this, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. But the tax collector standing off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled again, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So I feel like in some ways this Pharisee was kind of in, I call it survivor mode because, you know, he's like, God, I thank you that I'm perfect. This is why I'm perfect. These all these things. I'm not like all these people, so I should be able to go and be with you, right? But our achievements won't be enough to save us from death. 
Stay humble. Don't overlook your shortcomings and the fact that we all need salvation. And he told, this is a conversation with Nicodemus, John chapter 3, verse 1. Okay. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a good teacher. Come, that we know you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, 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 I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Material things can't activate immaterial things. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do, you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can, th how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of the law, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly. I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if you have heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven above, the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so much the Son of Man be lifted up, that who, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So what's interesting about this is Jesus or Nicodemus came in secret. And I believe it was because Nicodemus was a very influential person in his culture. He was a Pharisee and he was respected as being a scholar. And he was a teacher. And so he comes and he approaches Jesus and he can't be seen asking questions. Right? Other people may, may say something. But the thing that was interesting was that he called him teacher, and he maybe saw Jesus maybe on the same level, but he didn't ask Jesus anything. He just told him. He's like, you're a teacher, right? And Jesus responded with something that I think really confused him. He said, you have to be born again. He's like, you're a teacher. You have to be born again. And it was a spiritual concept that this teacher couldn't understand. He didn't know. And it was even hard for him to believe and so Jesus had to break it down to him. He said, I came from where you want to go. All right? He came from heaven. He's like, I came from there. So I'm telling you, you don't know how to get there. And Jesus was giving him the opportunity to humble himself and acknowledge his need for a savior. All right? Aside from his status in society, Jesus is like, I achieved, even maybe not in this moment, but after we know he died and rose again, but that was his achievement for us, is that he, he died so that he can have us. And that was the joy that was set before him. That was his achievement. 
So find fulfillment in possessions and achievements. This is what God says about finding fulfillment in appearances. In Psalm chapter 139, 13 through 16, he says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well, very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were, in, were formed for me. When as yet, there was none of them. So, in other words... Everybody, you're beautiful. Everybody, you're perfect. Right? And society may not understand all of the details that God put into the uniqueness that he created in each one of you. But you're all beautiful in his eyes. Which is, And the cool thing about that is that we're all on a level playing field externally. All on a level playing field. Right? But there's something that God is looking for beyond this appearance that he knew that he created. He created this beautiful thing, these beautiful people, right? In 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, he says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on gold jewelry and the clothing you wear, but your adorning be hidden, be the hidden person of the heart. Let the adorning be the hidden person of your heart which in God's sight is very precious. So God looks at our heart. He wants us to, he's not too concerned about how we dress this body. He wants to see how the inside is dressed. 1 Samuel 16, 6. But the Lord said to Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 6. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on the outward appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So in context, this is Samuel, and he's trying to find a successor for Saul. He's in the house of Jesse. And Samuel, the prophet, looks at this guy that society would say was probably very handsome. And God says, you know what? That's not, that's not what I want. Yeah, he looks good, but so does everybody else in my eyes. His heart isn't there. Because God isn't interested in how we present ourselves externally. He's looking at what motivates us on the inside. What's the driving force by the actions that we take? You know, as we, as we walk and do this life, what's, what's inside? What's motivated us to do it? Is it because we want people to see that we that we're doing this and we want the praises of people because it's, if anything, it's probably, you know, getting a lot of people excited here, but God knows where it comes from. So for him, if it's, if it's not pure here, then he, he sees it as ugly. It's not beautiful, but the outside is inside. Yep. So, find fulfillment in possessions and achievements and appearances. This is what God says for those who look for fulfillment in experiences. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, 
Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and with everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to, everyone, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. So pay attention to the path that you're going. And he said, as you're doing so, understand the will of God. The will of God is be filled with the Spirit instead of everything else. He wants us full of his Spirit. Okay. John chapter 4, verse 7. It's a long passage, but bear with me. Um, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that a Jew asking for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, Jesus answered her, if you, knew the gift that God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, sir, I have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And the greater, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave her the well. He gave us the well and drank from, from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have, or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. I like if God said that. (laughs) You have had five husbands. What you have said is true. She was honest. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. The salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him because God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when he comes, he would tell, me, he would tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, to her, I who speak to you am he. So in this passage, this long passage, um, the water, like most people know, represents life. Um, but it also represents the spirit. And she was drawing water. And she's been doing this for her entire life. It's been that way. It's been taught by her parents because she said all the way back to Jacob, they've been drawing water from this well. And from her experience of drawing from 
this source, the traditions of her family and her way of doing things gave her five husbands and a lover. And she even said it, this well is deep because I believe she, she saw her situation as being a situation that was drying up. It wasn't satisfying. And I believe Jesus' response in all of this is saying, you've been surviving, but you haven't been living. A lot of us survive, but a lot of us don't live. Jesus wants to give us living water. He said, drink this life that I provide to you, and you'll never be thirsty again. Never be thirsty. So you don't have to go back to that same way of doing things at will and try to draw life out of it. Because what he gives you is an endless supply. He wants to be our source, our satisfying source. With God, here's the thing. As believers, we have a deposit. We have his spirit in us. And he said, from that deposit, out of the springs, it will flow springs of living water. It will flow from here. A lot of you need healing. If you know, if you know God, there's a spring of living water in you. I remember when I was going through the sickness and the Lord told me, I heard him, he said, healing is in you. That was the water. It was there. Even though I couldn't see it on the outside, it was inside. And I drew. I was able to draw from that living water. My story, I was raised in the church. So I came from my family. We were always in the church, so much so that I remember sleeping underneath the church chairs whenever the church was open. But when my mom passed away, I came to New York, and I walked away from God. And it was because I was trying to do life through experiences. I had grief that I was trying to heal. And maybe this, these experiences would help that. And it didn't. Now, I read a verse earlier. It says, pay attention to your path. I didn't realize that that path was leading me down nine months of depression. And I knew that I had reached my end emotionally Spiritually, everything. I really, literally felt like I had nothing left. When I discovered God, like I mentioned before, with my open heart posture, there was actually an experience where, and I have to say this, so I, I don't embellish anything, and God has been supernatural in my life, and I like, to me, is God is so awesome that no embellishment could do justice to him. I, you know, I, I allow God to be real, and I allow him to do it his way. And when we leave room for him, supernatural happens. We don't have to fluff it up. We don't. But there was a wind that came in, like literally. There was a wind that came in my room that woke me up one night. And sparing all the details from that poured on me a love that I never knew possible. A peace that I had not felt before. 
even after my mom's passing, that was the first time I felt peace and a comfort that I didn't know existed. So I knew growing up in church that Holy Spirit was comforter. And I thought that meant, you know, if you read these scriptures enough, then that'll provide comfort to you, these good words, it'd be comfort in your heart. But no, he literally comforted me in a very tangible way. And I remember I got up and I prayed and the power of the Lord came on me so strong that I'm on my face before I even knew it. I didn't even know I was on the ground until I was on the ground. And I remember this laughter came out of me that was uncontrollable, was fun, but hurting at the same time because my abs were getting to work out. I wanted to stop. I literally did, but I could not. And the Lord told me that it was one of the fruits of his spirit, which was joy. Be drunk in the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Not with wine, not with other things. There's pleasures in the Lord, and I'm sharing that for you so you can see. There's experiences with God. It's a journey. and It's a process that he wants to take us on. But we, if we you know, keep our eyes on him, then we can experience that. He wants to fill up the well of the spirit inside of us. He wants it to be this, if we have that deep place like the woman at the well, he wants to fill it up. She doesn't have to draw deep. It's right there. It's right there. Jesus, he revealed to us that our answers to life have left us dry, and we keep trying to survive, but we're drawn from the wrong will. He's the will of life. We have to humble ourselves to receive from him so that we can drink. And it's hard to do that because just like Nicodemus' example, Nicodemus was a scholar, right? And his response was, "Go! how can I go from old age back into birth? In other words, how can I take these the way I've been taught for this long, and start afresh. But we have to humble ourselves, and he wants to help us to do it. And the way to do it is for us to be childlike. Matthew 18, 3. He wants to show us how to live. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of, of, of heaven. We got to be like children. I went to, I was one of the people that went to the Philippines trip um, a couple months ago. And I was asked to speak at Sherwin's church, which Sherwin's church is it's a huge church. It's like 400 people, which I didn't know. I didn't know what I was getting into, but... They had me sit on the, the stage because I was speaking, and there was a moment I looked over a few people, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm the guest speaker. Like, it hit me, you know? And I, I, you know, I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, you got to do your thing. And he definitely did because the response after the service, there were rows of people that came up, rows of people. And they all had their hands up, and they were all crying out to the Lord. And they were all seeking, like, Something. They wanted something. Everything in them was towards God. It was pointing up. They had made room. 
And I remember it confused me because it surprised me, I would say, because I'm like, we were there during a worship service, and the word they were getting from, even from the, the worship leader, and she's like declaring all these truths, and they're, you know, speaking the truths back, and she's like, you know, the, the songs were Bible-based, good truth words, like, you know. And so these were not baby Christians. And even talking to the pastor later, they definitely got the word. But their response when it came up was if they had heard the gospel for the first time. Like they wanted more. They're like, what, you have God? I need it. I need more. I need to be filled. I need whatever it is that God gave you to give. I'm here to receive it right now. That was their posture. Everywhere we went. Behind these rows of people, because there are a few rows, this little boy walks up, probably four or five. And he gets down on his knees. Nobody else is doing this. Everyone else's hands are up. He's not falling after anyone. He gets down on his knees, and he puts his face in the ground in his worship posture. And I thought, like, wow, that's what David looks like. And I always, when I think about it, it usually makes me emotional. But um, I just went over and laid my hands on him. And I said, Lord, just, you know, protect them at all costs. Bless them, use them how you want to use them. And I want what this king has. I want what he has. I left that, I left the Philippines because it was like this everywhere we went. If God is calling, I'm going after it because I know there's an endless supply for him. We've been living life trying to survive. And billions of people before us will tell you that we can't put hope in the material things. That we need a direction from death to life. And that direction is Jesus. About four years ago, just say this quickly, um, I literally looked like my will was dry. Literally, if you were here, there was no life in me except a seed of God. It was the only thing, but it kept me. I mean, some people were here that can, they can tell you I looked like death. I did. But that seed, that spirit in me, it was in there. Just like God said, it's in you already, was that seed that produced that well that flowed up. And I'm standing before you today because of that. Don't let possessions have your heart. If there's something that you're holding on to financially, things, and you feel like you can't get rid of it because it's so important to you, then you know it has your heart. And I don't want to tell you what to do, but if I was in that case, I would give it. Achievements. It's not about what we've accomplished in life. It's about what he accomplished. He achieved life for us. That's everything. 
with appearances, I know that I'm beautiful from the outside. <laughs> so are you. But what's inside? What's inside? What's on the inside? What's motivating your walk? What's motivating your talk? What's motivating your interaction with people? And with the experiences, there's nothing that I could ever do, any place I can ever go, any person I can ever be with that would substitute what I receive from the Lord. And the moments I have with him and knowing that he's always there, nothing can compare. That's open for all of us today. There's an opportunity for anybody who do not know Jesus if anything that I said to you ministered to you, I would say go after it today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Go after it now. An opportunity is here. If anybody want to stand, come up here. There's no judgment. We want to welcome you. But if you feel that you want to experience that and you haven't, come up. If you feel as if you have experienced that, but your well seems a little drier than normal, come up. There's an opportunity for you here. Don't worry about what other people think about you. It's not about appearances. It's not about achievements. I was in the church all my life, and I didn't know God in that way. I didn't know it was possible, but it wasn't until... I bent the knee and humbled myself and told God that I didn't know, but I wanted to know. That's when I encountered him because I made room. There's an opportunity. And the, and the sad thing is that in this world, we don't know when it's our last chance. Because if you're a newsreader, which I stay away from, but you find out that people are dying left and right. But even if you're going, even if you know the Lord and you're going through life and you feel as if you just feel dry, I'm telling you, there is living water for you. There's living water for you even today. And you can receive it. Yeah, so Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you want to fill us. Lord, I just pray right now for every person here that you would show us how to make room for you. That you would teach us the ways that, Lord, that have been keeping us from you and the way that we've been trying to survive and that you would show us how to live because we want the life that we're all instinctively after from the, from the moment that we're here. We want that life, and we know that it only comes from you. So give her life where you come right now. Yeah, Holy Spirit, Lord, fill this place. Yeah. Fill this place, Lord. Let your presence come now, Lord. I pray right now. In Jesus' name.
We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.